You're listening to Festival Grass. A podcast diving into the business and culture of the music festival world. Well, welcome everybody to the newscast in this week's edition. UK's festival season faces setback without insurance in spring budget. Lightning and a bottle reschedules next in-person event to 2022. South by Southwest Online XR. Report. Festival organizers push for vaccine passports at events. Inside Fly Ranch, Burning Man's permanent space in the Nevada desert. But first, electronic cities between COVID and gentrification, dance music is struggling to find its groove again. Electronic music is the fifth most popular music genre globally. However, the COVID-19 pandemic has been devastating for the industry. Its estimated value fell from US $7.3 billion in 2019 to $3.3 billion in 2020. Hundreds of electronic festivals around the world have been cancelled. Some events have even gone underground. In one case, more than 1,200 people were charged over an illegal rave party in Brittany that violated France's COVID restrictions. Electronic dance music uses specific spaces in a city, so it's heavily affected by both cultural and planned policies. A new book, Electronic Cities, studies these scenes. The contributors focus on 18 cities across the world as case studies in the development of electronic music. The world of DJs has been studied before, but not the impacts of city policies on such a global scale. The book shows electronic music is not well integrated in cultural policies and gets little support. Music city policies often do not include this music genre. Live venues are often not well protected by planned frameworks. This puts underground scenes that rely on small clubs at risk. In Australia, we have seen some positive strategies, such as Agent of Change in Victoria, to protect inner-city live venues. Overall, though, electronic music is not well integrated in city policies. Electronic music has grown from its origins in composers' experimentation in the 1950s to encompass as many as 153 genres worldwide. These range from commercial dance music and film soundtracks to niche underground electronic music. The pulsating score of Midnight Express 1978 by Giorgio Moroder is a seminal piece of electronic music. Broadly speaking, we can make a distinction between electronic dance music, also known as EDM, or club dance music made for dancing, and the more down-tempo, conceptual, intelligent music, IDM, made for listening at home. Underground styles, like acid techno, are created by DJs rather than musicians or producers, and are connected to specific clubs and audiences. Acid techno emerged in London at underground clubs such as 414 in Brixton. Australian dance music has been driven by an altitude of DIY self-reliance. Local producers such as Flume, Alice in Wonderland, Will Sparks, and Nervo have had international success. Alice in Wonderland exemplifies a new generation of artists who are moving away from the cliches of rave culture. All these different styles are sometimes grouped under the label of electronic dance music culture, or EDM. The first hubs for electronic music were in the United States, Chicago and Detroit specifically, and in Germany, Dusseldorf and Berlin. Today, the culture has a more global spread. 
The book Electronic Cities analyzes emerging electronic dance music cultures in places like Shenzhen in China, Tehran in Iran, and Accra in Ghana. As an example of music festivals integrated with a city's cultural policies, take the long-running Mutec Montreal Electronic Music Festival. Cities have used music as a tool for city branding for a long time to promote international tourism and to develop nightlife economies. Techno Week in Detroit, for instance, is a major drawcard for the city. In Napoca, Romania, the untold EDM festival has been central to a strategy to attract tourists to this rural area. Although some governments have embraced the industry, it has also suffered from official neglect. In large cities, small underground clubs, such as the former Club 441 in Brixton, are constantly under threat from redevelopment. These clubs have unique historic and cultural value, but are not well protected by planning regulations. Musician and record producer Mark Reeder lives in Berlin, a world center for clubbing. He has seen the disruption caused by the pandemic unfold. In an interview for Electronic Cities, he said, This is a turning point that I thought would eventually happen. After 30 years of techno, it was on the brink. I believed something new was on the horizon. Obviously, I didn't think it would exactly be like this. Paul Curtis, the manager of Australian band Regurgitator, which straddles punk rock and electronica, had a similar vision. Quote, we'd already been thinking about the last bunch of years. How the heck do we continue to do what we do in a world we have to change? The band had been operating for some time as a kind of small-scale economy with sustainability as a focus. The collapse of venues in the wake of COVID forced some of the plans to change, but they started to rethink options. Curtis was puzzled by the attitude of some music business colleagues. They were saying, quote, as soon as this is over and we get back to normal, and I'm thinking, well, that's just delusion. Curtis used the pandemic quiet to finish a live concert film of the band. He has been distributing it through independent cinemas and music venues that have geared up for the screenings. Australia responded to the economic impacts of the pandemic by introducing the JobKeeper payment to help businesses retain staff. But many venues and most artists and art workers were ineligible. Artists globally have had similar experiences. In Helsinki, Finland, as Giacomo Botta explains in Electronic Cities, Public support during the pandemic went only to recognized electronic dance music organizations. More marginal and underground communities, often most affected by the pandemic, were ignored. On a more positive note, Sarah Ross, speaking as part of the panel at CTM Festival 2021, explained that switching to online platforms such as Twitch, usually used by gamers, might help Toronto DJs widen their audience. At CTM Berlin, contributors to the Electronic Cities book talk about electronic music, urban policies, and the pandemic. Reader reflects on Berlin and what the future might look like. Quote, I think this situation is having a profound effect on the way people consume contemporary music and especially what we perceive as the club scene. He notes the desperation of DJ streaming from home and the emphasis on nostalgia Quote, sounds of the past becoming the sounds of the future. If you have the time to read this book, you will be rewarded. It is broad in scope and the history is wonderful to read. It does reach a lot of the wonderful places all over the world where electronic music has found its roots. It's always interesting to educate yourself on where all this culture comes from because 
it does matter and it does make it more interesting when you go and dive deep into genres as to where they became popular in the first place. It gives you a sense of maybe what that scene was like at the time. Now, there is a YouTube video in the article that I would suggest you all watch. It is the panel discussing the book Electronic Cities. Lightning in a Bottle is rescheduled. Oh no, this is my favorite festival. Oh, it really hurt last year when it was canceled for the first time, at least that I was ever aware of. And despite the optimistic news around the vaccine rollout, it did not come around fast enough. So Lightning in a Bottle is proactively moving its next in-person edition to 2022. Now, as we know, Ultra Music Festival and Hangout Music Festival have also paused and will reschedule to 2022. Now, in a statement shared via social media, LIB organizers suggested that while this year shows some promise for some events potentially being able to proceed in general, they feel continuing forward with lightning in a bottle amid the current regulatory environment would compromise the experience. Quote, the experience of lightning in a bottle has always been about exploration, discovery, and connection. It's about being socially close, not distanced. The statement reads, it's about very few rules and regulations, not a long list of guidelines. We have no intention of diluting the LIB experience, so we've made the decision that Lightning in a Bottle will not be returning this year. Now they finish off by announcing that DGTL, the digital LIB version, will be returning for its second year during the Memorial Day weekend to fill the void of the physical event. And I hope it's better than it was last year. Uh, we will just wait to see. Now, I do agree with what Lightning in a Bottle stated there. I, I've been saying it often on this podcast that it's just simply not the same when you have an event that is separated with pods and ropes and just a whole distancing thing. Festivals are the explosion of the fantastic. You're meant to be able to lose yourself in a sea of humanity if you want to. And I just I just have a feeling that festivals this year will never, even if, if they do go forward, they will just not be the same. And frankly, I probably would prefer to skip them all and just go next year. Be sure to keep tuning in weekly for our Music Festival newscast and subscribe to our Deep Dives, our monthly in-depth topical discussion show with interviews and guests that will bring you insight and knowledge. Link in the show notes. Okay, so a report out of the UK says they are pushing for a vaccine passport at events. Artists and fans may have to take the corona vaccine and show proof before attending UK music festivals this summer. Festival organizers are considering this approach following Prime Minister Boris Johnson's roadmap announcement for exiting lockdown. With live music set to return on June 21st, festivals are selling out in record time and demand is high. To make festival season happen, organizers are weighing out the options for on-site COVID-19 testing vaccine passports, and plenty of other health and safety protocols. Representatives from 70 independent music festivals met on Friday in an emergency meeting to discuss the return of events. Britain's festival directors spoke about the vaccine passports and why they think the government should make them a requirement for festival attendees. 
quote, a lot of us want to urge government to follow the example set up already in other areas, like travel, where people have to show vaccination passports, said Josh Robinson, events director of Drum and Bass Festival Hospitality Weekend in the Woods. What we really need is for government to say everybody needs a vaccination to get in. We need that clarity rather than having to go to each person to explain, said Gareth Williams, director of folk festival Cropredi. There are many factors to consider as music festivals return and we move into a new normal. Stay tuned as we unravel more details about the topic of vaccine passports because it is one that could potentially be controversial and cause some issues for some events to go forward, especially if states or provinces or local regions will not make concessions otherwise. Would you like to be on the show? If you or someone you know is a journalist with a relevant article topic or can speak to a story we have covered, please click or forward the guest sign up link in the show notes. We'd love to have you on. Don't be shy. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. All right, South by Southwest Online XR. So from fantastical virtual versions of iconic Austin locations like Congress Avenue and the Red River Cultural District to a wide array of South by Southwest Online 2021 programming, they are excited to introduce South by Southwest Online XR. So using the South by Southwest 2021 look and feel, South by Southwest Online XR will showcase live panels, meetups, special events, a selection of 360-degree videos from Virtual Cinema Program, as well as 2D video feeds of South by Southwest programming. Austin venues recreated in the space include the Paramount Theater, the contemporary Austin Mohawk, Empire Control Room and Garage, and Cedar Street Courtyard. Now, South by Southwest worked with world-renowned artists and the social XR event studio Vroom to design and produce the festival's virtual edition, which will be hosted on VR Chat. The complete virtual cinema program, including previously announced virtual cinema competition and virtual cinema spotlight projects, will also be accessible and downloadable via the Vroom online store. The VR chat worlds can be experienced on PC, PC VR, and the Oculus Quest headsets. Quote, South by Southwest really wanted to create a space in the virtual world that brought Austin to life in a spectacular way, said Blake Kammerdiner, XR and film programmer. So we came together with Luis Cachutolo and his company Vroom, whose recent work included Welcome to the Other Side with Jean-Michel Jarret and artist Vincent Masson to create this fantastical virtual space that honors Austin and a few of the venues that we are gutted to not be using this year. He went on, attendees can come together, explore these worlds and watch content created specifically for the VR world and from the greater South by Southwest online video channels. Stop by the Paramount Theater to snap a picture on the red carpet with your friends or head on over to the Red River Cultural District for a party. Be sure to find the virtual Theon Cross rocking his tuba or stop by the Contemporary's rooftop bar to catch a live session. Now, South by Southwest Online XR will also present a wide array of other work outside of the VR chat world, including special live theater performances of Finding Pandora X from Double Eye Studios and Dream from the Royal Shakespeare Company and Marshmallow Laser Feast. 
Now, I think this is absolutely fantastic. Look, South by Southwest has been around uh, since 1987. I've been to at least four of them, and I, I, I love Austin, Texas. It is an absolutely beautiful city, and you would just not believe that it is in Texas because if you travel to the rest of Texas, you will know the, you will know the difference. It's best known as a mix of conference and festival that celebrates the convergence of the interactive film and music industries. So it's always been an essential destination for global professionals. And so I hope that this year's online event does deliver with these sessions, showcases, screenings, exhibitions, professional development, and, and all these other variety of networking opportunities that they promise I think that they've taken a page out of Burning Man's multiverse, and I'm really excited by this. I do think VR, for those that are interested in dabbling into this experiential genre, I think events that produce something to experience out of the comfort of someone's own home, such as you can through VR, I think they will stand above the rest in the coming years because it is a fact of life we have been pushed into this virtual landscape, it will not clearly overtake the physical experiences that you can have, but it certainly does broaden and open up the possibilities to experience something that you may not have even had the chance uh, to go to because of work or time restraints or financial constraints. So you can check it all out on their website, www.sxsw.com. The link is in the show notes. Okay, so UK's festival season faces setback without insurance in the spring budget. It feels like we've been talking about this so long, but uh, but here we are again. So EDM fans in the United Kingdom were very happy with the government finally addressing the festival season and clubbing scene. Besides, Boris Johnson opened the door to resuming festival activity and opening clubs again. The government even shared a roadmap which sparked positivity among the industry and fans. In addition, people did not miss the opportunity to buy tickets for festivals like Creamfields, which were sold out super fast. Despite this flow of good news, the festival season will have to encounter another problem, this being the lack of cancellation insurance offered by the government. Festival organizers are now trying to solve this issue. Paul Reed of the Association of Independent Festivals said it is an enormous risk for independent festivals to press on with planning without cover. While Creamfields is going forward, some events are still considering it too risky to plan for summer 2021. Smaller festivals, such as En Masse, postpone the celebration for another year. On top of that, major events such as Glastonbury, already decided to cancel their 2021 edition. If we take a look at Europe, we can find a lot of different situations. Countries like Germany already set up a 2.5 billion euro cancellation fund to cover the cost of events planned for the second half of 2021. On top of that, the Dutch government created a cancellation fund of at least 300 million euros. Countries like Spain did not discuss this matter yet, but clubs in Ibiza are already releasing party calendars, so something may be brewing there. But unfortunately, the spring budget in the UK, announced on Wednesday, March 3rd, does not include cancellation insurance. Now, of course, expectations were high for this. We covered it multiple times in previous podcasts. So some festivals, I think, will look at this and say, nope, too high of a risk for us. We can't allow cancellations to destroy our festival. And as we've mentioned, there's a lot of spending that happens before the festival actually occurs. And that money is 
pretty much non-refundable. So that wh that's why it's really difficult to give the ticket holders refunds because the money that was collected is often spent at that point. And in order to recoup some of the expenses, the festival needs to take place and the revenue needs to come in from attendee spending. So this is a difficult situation. I think that what it shows is that festivals that have the support of the government will go forward, but locations and places in the world where governments will not offer some built-in insurance will see festivals not go forward in 2021. And finally, inside Fly Ranch, Burning Man's permanent space in the Nevada desert. So the 2020 edition of Burning Man, of course, was canceled due to COVID-19, and this year's event remains a question mark for the time being. But devoted attendees still have something to look forward to as the Burning Man project recently unveiled some possible plans for Fly Ranch, an off-grid 3,800-acre ranch in the Great Basin in Nevada. Now, back in 2016, the Burning Man project purchased Fly Ranch for $6.5 million with the hopes of turning it into a year-round permanent space for Burning Man culture and creativity. That idea eventually evolved into a collaboration with the Land Art Generator Initiative, or LAGI, to come up with the regenerative projects that could exist on the ranch. The goal, as was noted in a Forbes article, was to prototype off-grid solutions for a post-carbon world. So the LAGI 2020 Fly Ranch Design Challenge was born we have linked a video of the presentation of that challenge in the show notes. As Laggy described it, quote, teams were asked to integrate sustainable systems for energy, water, food, shelter, and waste management into works of art in the landscape. The objective is to build the foundational infrastructure for Fly Ranch, support Burning Man Project's 2030 sustainability goals and engage a global audience to work together towards systemic transformation and serve as an inspiration for the developing field of regenerative design. Eventually, they whittle it down from hundreds of applicants to 10 design teams who will be given grants to build prototypes at Fly Ranch. Those 10 projects include Nexus, which explores the design capabilities of Ferroc, a sustainable alternative to concrete that absorbs CO2 through the curing process of building components. Solar Mountain, which uses solar, photovoltaic, and recycled materials to contribute 300 megawatts of electricity per year and interactive spaces for play and exercise. And Ripple, which integrates electrochromic glass, a bioceramic dome known as Geoship SPC, a seed bank, solar photovoltaic cisterns, drip irrigation, composting toilets, and native restoration plants to provide shelter, food, medicinal herbs and teas, habitat enhancement, water harvesting, and 36 megawatts of electricity per year, including and topped out by 40 liters per year of harvested water. You can read all about those projects We've linked the article in the show notes. Definitely go visit that article because the photos of the projects are absolutely incredible. The engineering and the creativity and the sheer depth of thought that goes into these projects is just something beautiful to see. You know, in a world where we've become more consumerist 
and things are so disposable. It's incredibly inspirational to see so much effort put into what we really should always see as the ultimate purpose of our life's work, and that is to find sustainability. Burning Man, again, I say it all the time, leading the charge of music festival culture, the brain trust there, all the participants, and all the people that they draw in. Super excited to see the evolution of the Fly Ranch. Well, thanks everyone for joining us on another week's Festival Grasp. Make sure to subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or via your chosen podcast collector, so you'll never miss us talking into your ears again. And while you're at it, if you find value in what we are discussing, rate us on Apple Podcasts. It's like telling a friend about it, but better. And it gives us a chance in a big old world out there. I know we're just getting to know each other, but come on, show us some love. We're here for you. You're here for us. So let's do this thing. To sign up as an expert guest on the show, to leave us a question or message, or to jar tip your support, follow the appropriate links in the show notes. Be sure to keep tuning in weekly for our music festival newscast and subscribe to Deep Dives, our monthly in-depth topical discussion show with interviews and guests that will bring you insight and knowledge. Link in the show notes. This podcast edited by GBA Recordings. For me, Mario. And Shanae. See you next time. Bye.